0: Hello, this is Saul Luckman. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Conversations on Saul Luckman Uncensored, sponsored by snooze dot awaken.com, resources for lucidity. For more information about my work, including a lot of cutting edge free content, check out ProRising.com. I'm also on Telegram, where I'm sharing daily truth bombs at t.me slash Saul Luckman. And I've just created my own Substack at SaulLuckman.substack.com. If you appreciate what I'm doing here and interviewing some of the greatest minds and hearts in the conscious resistance, please take a second to subscribe to my channel or channels and give this video some love energy exchange. Today, I have the real pleasure of chatting with a next-level force of nature in the whole truth, as opposed to the half-truth movement. Mike Wallach, one of the creators of the extraordinary new documentary, The Viral Delusion. I'll put my affiliate link in the show notes. If you watch one documentary in 2022, please make it The Viral Delusion. Both skeptics of and believers in germ theory seriously need to watch and digest the game-changing information presented in this film Aptly subtitled, The Tragic Pseudoscience of SARS-CoV-2 and the Madness of Modern Virology, this must-see tour de force for science truth features a who's who of distinguished researchers, doctors, and informed journalists dissecting the quote-unquote scientific papers put forward to justify the wholly fabricated atrocity known as COVID-19. Every single major claim is minutely examined and thoroughly debunked isolation of the so-called virus, its alleged genetic sequencing, fraudulent PCR tests, variants of the imaginary cause of COVID that exists only as a computer simulation. The upshot of this deep journey through the rabbit hole of rabbit holes, one many are so brainwashed by the lies of virology they dare not face, is that SARS-CoV-2 is purely a simulacrum of a virus with no actual physical reality. Moreover, as the documentary painstakingly makes clear, the same appears true for other famous viruses, from polio to smallpox. Thanks so much for joining me today, Mike. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm really uh, honored and, and delighted to talk with you, Sal.
0: Well, you know, I, I uh, obviously, I, I learned about you through, um, through your amazing documentary, which we'll talk about. But then I, I had the uh, the foresight to watch a, a wonderful interview you gave to uh, Dr. Sam Bailey, who was also on this channel not too long ago, and that mm-hmm. was a really fun uh, glimpse into your your process for uh, you know how how you actually ended up uh, figuring out uh, that the virus uh, the virus concept is a myth and that sort of thing. So I, I, I recommend people. I can even put that in a link uh, in our show that people can go over and watch that interview you gave. Um, uh, I'm really wondering, uh, how, uh, how, how the viral delusion is going, what kind of feedback you're getting, um, you know, how, how, what's your reach been, what kind of criticisms have been brought to bear on it, that sort of thing.
1: Oh, sure. Um, I mean, I think like, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's going really well. Um, you know, I, I it's supposed to it just depends on what your expectations are and, and that kind of thing. Um, the, uh, the feedback has been, um, amazing i mean it's just been like so fantastic and and heartwarming and um it's been it's it's just been really like a a very special experience for me to get uh so much feedback from it um like a hundred percent positive in a really wonderful way except that there were a bunch of people that thought the music was too loud so we (laughs) um
0: like the music
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I know um, so anyway I, I went back and 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 sort of and, and remastered it and um, and brought the music levels down so for all of you um, audiophiles, there, there's like some 10 15 percent of people out there who are just it's just that's how their brain works and um, and it, it, for them it's just like it, it was just this horrible experience for them so and they were dying to watch the you know listen to the to the um, what everybody had to say. So I went back and remastered it and 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 if you go watch it now, you'll you'll get the much um, better version uh, of the, the the soundtrack and um and that and there were a bunch of people who wanted to like you know put it on the big screen so we put it in like 1080 and that kind of thing. So um but but the the on the feedback level um just amazing. Actually if if, if that's one of your questions, I, I would love to read
0: to you this letter that I got. Oh, I'd love that. Yes, um, ask you for some specifics, like the the memorable feedback that you had received. This this is the most
1: this is the most memorable. I just got this a few days ago, and said, "Mike, um, I've been watching the viral delusion all afternoon, and I've not been disappointed. It's truly amazing." I'm a retired medical technologist with a career spanning the years from 1971 to 2017. I worked in molecular hematology for a long time, and I had a seven-year stint in vaccinology in a vaccine control lab, checking quality control on vaccines coming into South Africa. I always thought that doing quality control on vaccines meant that you worked independently, using a quality control that was not what the WHO told you to use. It just seemed wrong somehow. I'm familiar with a lot of the incorrect techniques discussed by the team of the viral delusion, from culturing Vero and HEP2C cells for use in measles and polio evaluation to the chemical tests used to evaluating thimerosal levels. It just makes me sad to know that my whole career has been one massive fraud, from cell culturing to sequencing. I hurt, but better late than never. I'm amazed at Drs. Cowan and Lanka and Kaufman and all the rest of these amazing people who've spoken out, placed their careers on the line to get the word out, And though my career was a massive hoax, I will do my best to help wherever I can.
0: I was just like, that's intense, really intense. (laughs) You know, I was like, wow, okay. Like it's, you know,
1: it's reaching people, you know what I mean? It's like, we're we're actually communicating here. Um, So, you know, and that's, that, obviously that's a very open hearted individual who's, you know, willing to like, think about things in a, in a new way um and maybe because she's retired uh it wasn't as you know big a thing but so for, you know to me that that's that's amazing you know um and then what an example um,
0: too can i just say mike what what an amazing example for other scientists and people who have invested in this model to be willing to consider the evidence, the preponderance of the evidence, the, the monumentality of it and the redundancy of it, and to actually change their minds and open up about their, their, their experience. I mean, that is so brave of that individual to just say what she said. I'm, I'm really awestruck by it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, there's, I do think there's a lot of like people that are, that are open to thinking about all this. I mean, you know, and we're just, we're all still figuring it out. I mean, that's the other thing is like, I think like the whole thing has just been a very, I mean, in a, in a way, like it's like the whole experience of the last couple of years has been so insightful. We've had so many insights, but at the same time, um, it's also just kind of humbling and you just realize how little we really do know. And, um, I, th- I find that actually very liberating and, and it kind of almost brings some of the magic back to the universe a little bit for me.
0: Um, and in terms of the, uh, what, what, how little we know about just everything or about science in particular? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say we, I should say I, <laughs> you know, no, but, feel free to use your pronouns, but, but, uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know anything and, and you know the more like i've started to embrace that um more and more and you know it just reminds me of these old i was a philosophy major in college and these old like socratic dialogues where you know you know the figure of socrates would would sort of take people apart and at the end of the day kind of just get them to admit that life is a mystery and that's kind of I, i feel like i'm i'm finally really truly understanding what he had to say
0: yeah i like that it's almost like the first step of knowledge is to realize our our total impoverishment in that area yeah i mean it sort of
1: hit me i i don't want to get too philosophical but it it hit me the other day when i was like talking about
0: philosophical channel i just want you to know
1: oh okay sweet (laughs) Uh, um I, actually, I wanted to ask you about that as well in terms of your books and stuff but um uh you know I was talking to my son about like um what do we really know about the stars and astronomy and and that kind of thing and because i I think in the same realm it's it's a lot less than we think you know um and uh and I realized how much he wanted to have like a set cosmos um and I almost kind of want to reset the cosmos for him as a mystery and not as, oh, we know this and that and this and this, you know, the star goes there and this particle does that. And but um, but it's 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 a, a mystery. And I think that if that's sort of the central uh operating premise there's 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 something more inspiring about that to me um now now that i've kind of um gone through this whole process of of recognizing what a fraud um so much of the science that we take for granted is
0: Uh, on that subject you know when when i was hearing you talk just now it reminded me of some of the some of the, the, the better thinkers out there uh, who are examining uh, the flat Earth concept, for example, and just asking questions without necessarily saying we have all of the answers, looking at anomalies, looking at things that don't make sense in the official NASA documentation, footage, Weird things like the way they apparently filmed the moon landing in the Arizona desert and all this really strange stuff, or at least some aspects of that, that are just out there, and are just totally, totally weird. And either you can like, you know, what is what is uh, Hunter S. Thompson's uh, wonderful statement: "When the going gets weird, the weird go pro." I mean, you can either get freaked out and retreat back into your little bubble of ignorance or a fraudulent knowledge, or you can go pro and just say, I'm going to embrace all of this weirdness and this mystery and see where it takes me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just
1: so much more fun to say, um, let's just embrace it. Let's there's, 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 you know, there's no, there are no issues there. We're just talking about the mysteries of the universe and um what more what like what could be more interesting than that you know um whether yeah whether it's the moon landing or or you know the 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 shape of the earth or political events as they go down or um you know the history of the dinosaurs or or um evolution or just there's a million topics which um we're sort of you know given this like you know set of kind of boilerplate note cards when we're young that are we're sort of taught that these this is supposed to inspire us to go explore these topics but i think it actually sort of serves the opposite function and at least it did for me and every time i discover that there's actually like a, a mystery around one of these topics i become suddenly interested in it and and i actually learn a tremendous amount and um and that's to me that's just fun it's just really interesting to to realize that there's all this contention around a topic and to really dig in and, 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 ex- and check it out, you know? Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden I can read things that I, I just, my mind wasn't capable of reading before. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I was, you know, like history, philosophy, that kind of thing has always been really easy for me to read, but science with the sort of quotes around it was always really hard for me to read. Um and what I've discovered in the last um few years is that it's actually really, really, really interesting. Um because um well, I think because the approach that I was guided to take by people like um Andrew Kaufman and, and Tom Cowan and, and Stefan Lanka and all of these figures was to look at the methodology. And when you look at the methodology, it moves it out of the realm of abstract um, ideas to real, concrete things that that human beings do that they're doing, and it makes it a lot easier to understand what what they what, what's actually happened and what we know and what we don't know, and um, and that's true for for other things too. I mean, even for like you know globe earth versus flat earth which you know to me was like a total like you know whole flat earth thing was like a total joke to me in the past you know but it's actually when you when you read the conversations that people are talking about in that field um what they're talking about is is actual like methodologies like what are the methodologies for solving that question and the methodologies, you know, for that we're sort of taught as children are just well just just accept it just this is a fact and just accept it we're not taught the actual ways in which people um, approach these these gargantuan questions and um, so, so coming back to, to that. That that moment there that um, that kind of liminal moment where where people are doing real physical activity and then that moves into the realm of ideas from there. I, I just think that that to me is it's fascinating it's all of a sudden that thing that's put in the very back end of these journal articles and um, if and then in textbooks like rarely if ever mentioned at all is actually like the most interesting part of the whole thing.
0: you're talking about the methodology like the way in these science papers and biology or they'll uh, virology and biology they'll put how they did what they did at the end as a kind of afterthought in today's papers
1: yeah exactly exactly exactly
0: as Um, if it didn't really matter just believe what we're saying but if you really need to know here's this information as opposed to presenting that on the front end and saying okay here it is, here's the way we, we conceptualize this experiment. And we're kind of inviting you to maybe troubleshoot it with us or convince yourself of its validity from the beginning of your reading experience of the experiment.
1: Exactly, exactly. There's, there's like, like, you know, it, 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 in like your eighth grade science fair, you know, your methodology w- would be what you'd Like that would be the big poster board thing, you know, (laughs) that would be what you'd be graded on by any like good science teacher, what was your methodology, you know, and what what are the uh, philosophical uh, ramifications of that methodology. Um, And how might that uh, how might your conclusions be um, disproved. um, Based on the methodology that you used and so. That that actually is, I think, in a lot of ways, is like this. What I discovered is is much of the issue, um, which is that 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 really like child approach, um, where you're just open and honest, and you put forth this, you know, the, the 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 actual thing that you're doing, right? Like the story of what I went into the lab and I grabbed this, and I and I then I did this and. You know, and then, and I saw this, and this is what I think happened. You know, like that whole story is sort of pushed aside for, um, for, for for so much of what we're taken, you know, what, what's what's taken to be known, and um, and instead, our our so much of our society just runs on the idea that institutionally. Mm-hmm institutions must by their very existence be sound and and their their conclusions must be sound or they wouldn't function and um, that's just not true (laughs) and uh, I I mean over and over and over again uh, when I talk to people who aren't familiar with these uh, arguments or um, haven't read critical literature don't they just haven't been almost every time their sort of natural response is, well, and, and, and this is specifically in regards to the viral delusion, but also in regards to many other things. It's just kind of like, well, but how could this field be wrong or how could this institution be wrong? It's not there, there is nobody's very few people are actually grounded in the methodologies. We're not you know, we're not raised to be familiar with those kinds of things. And it's, you know, it's just taught me as well, like, as I think about the upbringing of my own son, like what are, what is, what, what is a real educational grounding? Like, what does that actually look like? Um, and I think that's another just kind of interesting question that, that just pops up, like, another interesting mystery.
0: It's, you know, gosh, my mind's all over the place with because this is a very fascinating topic. I was thinking of, about asking you whether you think that um, this, this kind of slippage in the methodology and in what appears to be real genuine science and the scientific method is by accident or by design. I think about, uh, for example, there's a Washington Post article Here's the famous 1895 eighth grade test from Kansas, see how you would do, and it's about this test that most of today's college graduates couldn't pass, and it was the eighth grade exam in 1895, right? We can't even think logically and mathematically. We can't do half of these things, and I know we could get into common core and all of this dumbing down stuff, But you see a bunch of scientists today who probably couldn't pass that 1895 eighth grade exam on math and critical thinking skills.
1: You know, I I actually, I'm not sure. I'm sort of on the fence about that. Uh, I've uh, spent a fair amount of time in education. I actually wrote a book about um, uh, child education for like four and five-year-olds. What's the um, name Just so people can find that? Oh, God. Um, it was so long ago, I don't even remember the name. I think it's called <laughs> uh,
0: it's called Puzzles for Young Children. Puzzles for Young Children.
1: Here, <laughs> here it is. I, I don't know if there's a video here, but it's.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Puzzles for Young Children, preparing little ones for gifted and talented tests and private school admission.
1: Yeah, it's a totally different thing. Um, but... Uh, um, and, and, and I was out very, very much on the fence about this whole idea, but I, I have run an education company, and we're asked to do that quite often. Um, so I thought, well, let me just explore it. And if I'm, if I'm going to explore it, I'll write a book about it and make use of my time. And um, what I found um, was that these critical thinking skills are actually um, inherent in us. We're 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 pretty pretty much you know we use these things all the time um but then we're sort of sometimes we're kind of taught out of them and Mm -hmm. that that that's the sense that i get um of what's happening here it's not like you know these scientists have lost their ability to actually um you know use like deductive or inductive logic or something or 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 you know um but i think that they are under a certain kind of emotional pressure um not to go in that direction and that's really the the, the big thing there so it's not that it's like oh it's too hard um because the with the you know what the critics point out is actually really simple um they're just these simple flaws in the in the methodology right Right. And um, so it's it's not, you know, I think maybe there's also a little bit of a lack of imagination Um, and um, certainly, you know, there's a sort of political context where, you know, politically um, I think most or many, certainly many, most doctors and many scientists are you know much more conservative than they recognize Mm. um and so and and i say that i guess having grown up in a community that considered itself um kind of wacky but in hindsight was like super ultra conservative (laughs) um
0: and so did the community consider itself somewhat liberal is that what you're yeah they
1: consider themselves kind of liberal free thinkers imaginative sort of artsy types and then looking back and having kind of you know actually experienced the world you know now that i'm in my mid-40s and and now i can look back and look at that and go that's really funny (laughs) it's totally not the case you know it's totally not the case at all um it's actually like a relatively um, conservative place.
0: And... There's a great band from the 80s called the Pressure Boys. Uh, they were a Chapel Hill band and they had this one song that you're reminding me of called Armchair Radical. Mm. Mm. I, I don't even think they're, I, I, don't,
1: I mean, I, I think an Armchair Radical is actually like kind of interesting. Like, I would. <laughs> be proud to call myself an armchair radical um but uh you know if you're not you know it's like it's we all have these blinders like i had a blinder to much of science or what's called science or what passes for science because you know i was i was like that humanities guy and i was like a you know in that world and you know storytelling and film and philosophy and history and that kind of thing and you know so it's like that if the 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 the, um whereas there's actually all of this politically latent material happening behind the curtain of science and so i was blind to that for most of my life and i think that a lot of doctors and scientists are blind to the historical and political contexts of the information that they're that they're coming across and you know, I, I, th- my only problem with continuing to say that is at this point, it's sort of just kind of obvious, um, but um, it's I guess it's worth pointing out.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you uh, you know, what you think is going on with that political and historical context and the direction of history, the direction of the politics that we've been going in, because it seems to me there's been a kind of reductionist process going on a materialist process going on and also a i don't know i want to make up a word the fraudification of knowledge and of reality i I call it the archontification because in my model you get you get uh into some weird et stuff but um in any case it's like what is happening. I know that Tom Cowan, for example, is is always saying, you know, I don't want to assign motivation to people. But when I see people out there being presented with facts and documented uh, research that refutes the things they're saying, and they can't even take the time to look at it or acknowledge it or whatever. And yeah, you talked about how there might be an emotional issue, blockages, fear, perhaps. Um, I I was throwing that in. And then, of course, we know that people's jobs could be at stake. There are political issues. But I'm just wondering if you think that there's a grander conspiracy behind the movement of history, because we we know that the Rockefellers, for example, financed a lot of modern science and medicine. This is incredibly well-documented. And they have a certain take on how it should be done. And we know that big pharma was related to big oil and petroleum-based pharmaceuticals. And so they got rid of a lot of natural medicines that actually worked. And is this all just about greed and money? Is it about power and control as well? Is there, is there a transhumanist agenda attached to all of this? I mean, these are the questions I think that a lot of people ask. Most of most of the responses to it are necessarily in the realm of speculation, but that doesn't mean we can't speculate.
1: Yeah, it's funny. This is somebody was just asking about me about this, and and yeah, I mean, let's speculate together. I think it's interesting, and um, you know, I, I wish I had like a, a a pat answer for you, but again, I guess there's a certain um, openness to the mystery right I think at the end of the day there's uh it's a mystery and we're not going to like put a a pat answer on it and that's okay and I'm, I'm learning to live with that um because again the world becomes um more interesting that way and um uh we're all more open to continuing to learn that way um but then when we say okay it's a mystery but now I I think that can open us up to say, let's bring up like 50 million different things that we see going on and try to like connect the dots as best we can. Um, So like, where do we even begin on
0: that? Um, Let let me ask you a question. I can help, I can help begin that. Who do you think is at the top of the deep state structure? Who or what is going on at the very top of what's moving things is this, even people, is it just historical currents? Are we talking about archetypes or something Jungian here? What's going on?
1: Okay. Um, I think that there are different, um, there there are many factors. And um, before we sort of jump to the top, um, I think even maybe saying that there is a top is maybe not quite right. Um, but not quite wrong either. Um, I think there are probably like numerous tops. And
0: um, uh, compartmentalization.
1: Well, there's tons of compartmentalization. I mean, they're, 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 that's without a doubt. I mean, that's just like how everything functions, right? So, like the virologists do the virology thing, and the epi- epidemiologists do the epi- and and right. Like the police do the policing thing. They don't look at the science, right? The scientists don't look at the policing, like we're super you know stove piped like in our society because like when you have right like uh, when we have like any large scale you know a th- you know hierarchical system the way we do it's just that's how it's going to happen but um you know I was reading I just was reading um to, to get into the more kind of conspiratorial stuff um like I was reading Operation Gladio um recently have you ever read that book
0: I've only read summaries of that information. I've never actually gotten into the text. It's,
1: it's really good. It happens to be in, a, in an area where I, I knew a huge amount about the, um, just the edge of that book. Um, and like just all on the edges of that book had been a huge big area of research for me uh, for years before that. So when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is really... This is dead on. And and very you know,
0: complex from my understanding. So there's many different subjects that it addresses that it ties together.
1: Yeah, exactly. It ties, you know, it ties the heroin trade in with the mafia, with the Vatican, with um with the uh, you know, huge financial dealings and um and and it ties that in with um the CIA and with um, the uh, P2 uh, Masonic Lodge in Italy right and it makes very clear there's the, the if you checked all the footnotes and that kind of thing in that book there's is, there's is clearly there was clearly a, a Masonic Lodge in Italy that was running the country for a long period and um and once you once you start to peel away the layers on politics and you can see, you know, stuff, you know, these underground armies and that kind of thing, and there's, you know, really brilliant people who've dedicated their whole careers to, um, to to laying out that that map work. Um, so I think, like, you know, are there layers like that happening? Um, yeah, I mean, the the in, like intelligence services are they keep you know popping their head up at in various places here. Um, you know, whether it's like the MI5 in England or whether it's like, you know, I think it was uh, I don't know, there was some family in Utah I was reading about the other day that is um, like he was one of the one of the family members was a senator and then they also owned the um, the newspaper uh, there and, um, and then uh, they've had you know, very, very, very deep connections to the uh, intelligence community in, in Washington, D.C. for for generations. So and then it was that was the paper that sort of broke a, a new COVID um, lockdown policy out west. You know, I don't think that's an accident. You know, um, that there, there's there, there are so many different things um, can I, I look maybe instead of answering it maybe we just keep kind of go back and forth like what pops to mind when you think of that
0: absolutely uh that's the best way to do this because it's so vast
1: um yeah i mean there's also i mean you know i, I don't want to put out like i don't want to deny like spiritual trends as well you know of of narcissism of fear um you know, social fear, the kind of like spiritual stuff that Matthias Desmond points out of of isolation. I'm talking pre-COVID, you know. Um, uh, I think um, a sense of um, self-doubt that has been instilled in us by like parenting, by our um, society in the way that uh, we're sort of Forced to compete without a sense that everything's going to be okay if we, um, you know, if if we're good people, that everything's going to be okay, right? But that that's not true in our society necessarily, or at least we we certainly it, there's a lot of ambivalence around that. So I think like within all of these kind of so I think we have like big spiritual um, you know tides that are impacting us and then you know are there people who impact those tides definitely definitely um uh you know i think like um you know john rapaport's uh written about you know some of the sort of hypnosis stuff and just in terms of how you know a society that's focused you know so inwardly with so much um anxiety um is a society that's a little bit more easier to manipulate and um there's you know obviously there's you know there's tons of manipulation that goes on all the time i mean coca-cola wants to manipulate you to buy a coca-cola and um you know hoover vacuum wants to manipulate you to buy a hoover vacuum and um and they're all they're all like appealing to a lot of this stuff too of like you're going to be okay, you're going to feel good, you're going to like, you know, um, and, and so, you know, the idea that um, there aren't people who want to um, manipulate us in other directions for other ends, I think to say that would be sort of silly, and, you know, we should be open to f- trying to figure out what 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 those are i wish
0: um does that does that all make sense yeah yeah i mean you're being very politic and i appreciate (laughs) that um you know it's you're you're i'm i'm decoding uh this conversation to mean at this point that um that there's clearly so much that's being manipulated. There's a natural human tendency to manipulate, to get what you want, to sell products, to do this kind of thing, to say that there would not be currents and organizations and cabals and even conspiracies, even for just economic reasons is is naive. That would be a naive assumption to make. And yet a lot of people do assume that that kind of thing doesn't exist. They've been told that, you know, that Oh, that's just conspiracy theory and all of this. And do they, you know, do people out there realize that the term conspiracy theory was created by the CIA to discredit conspiracy theories that were probably true? You know, it's like, what is, what's that joke? Uh, what's the difference between, what is the, the difference between a conspiracy theory and a confirmed fact? What? Six months yeah <laughs>
1: exactly exactly and you know so i mean well, let's let, you know there's so many things now that we're dealing with like whether it's like the burning of these um you know all these meat processing plants food processing plants whether it's the the shutdown in china and the way that's going to impact um you know supply chains in terms of you know, being able to buy a bike or or a or a chainsaw in like six months, or you know whether it's um, you know the, the, these pushing for for you know bio lab meats or the scares, the zoonotic scares to try to keep us away from animals, or the uh, pressures to um, move things into this like abstract you know meta universe. Like there, there's just so much there's so much going on it's like holy crap um so i mean it seems like you know people like like allison uh mcdowell and have have pretty like kind of mapped out that world of um you know sort of turning this turning the society into sort of digital you know more and more and more into digital workers and and uh sort of homebound digital workers who you know eat their lab grown stuff and you know it makes me think of like this 1973 uh, national security uh memorandum um where it basically it was like you know we need to control the food we need to control the um population growth and um you know that 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 was kind of that was the agenda, you know, put forward by Kennedy in a national security memorandum, you know, a long time ago. Um, so, I, you know, it's like, I don't know. It, uh, any, any, anything I missed?
0: Well, you know, I was formulating my own way of kind of summarizing where I'm coming from. And I want to go back to COVID for a minute and look at, this kind of fake virus and the the fake narrative around virology, I mean, what are the chances just by a a process of kind of random occurrence that we would develop a science uh, that's highly compartmentalized that would slowly issue (laughs) any real scientific methodology based in logic that would develop a testing procedure to prove that a an undiscovered particle is causing illness. That that would get propagated through through film and media, uh, you know, as uh, contagion fears and you know, tens of I don't know how many movies, hundreds of movies on this subject to, to create fear in the population with all these little fake boutique virus dry runs. In a sense, uh, uh, you know, you can look at HIV in the same way uh, as a tra- kind of dry run for for COVID, and then they then this is all utilized in a massive coordinated effort that rolled out in real time across the globe, and this, the policies were the same, everything was the same all the way across the globe in ways that would be absolutely impossible if this were being coordinated by individual countries, for example, even with even with uh, global health, organiz- quote unquote, health organizations. So that all of this would be going on that would have a clear agenda uh, to in my way of thinking, involving separating people from each other, dividing and conquering, keeping people from talking about the truth, the way this would wick into like all of these uh, really strange election phenomena Uh, you know, not just in this country, but elsewhere, we've seen bizarre reports having to do with all of that. So what are the chances that all of those factors could coalesce in this kind of dystopian Orwellian moment, randomly or by accident? So to me, you know, there's that scientific principle, is this Occam's razor on the, on the, in the heat of the moment here, I'm not remembering if that's the name for it, but it's the, basically a concept that the simplest, the simplest of all possible ex, ex, explanations is probably the truth or is close mm. to the truth. So it seems to me looking at this, that the, the truest thing that I can come up with personally is that there's a group of people and in a global sense who have controlled the world for perhaps a very long time And we have, we have a lot of historical references to who these people might be. And they are at a point with the population reaching a certain density where they can't control us anymore. And they are trying to reassert control by doing two things. And I write about this in my last book, Callie the Destroyer, depopulating us and controlling us through technology. Mm. and, and, and. What makes you feel
1: that um, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but what makes you feel that we we were at a point where um, it felt out of control to the um, sort of hypothetical uh, uh, elite?
0: I think That's a really, really good question. And I think that there's, um, I think that you could look at that like morphically, like about how humans actually connect at etheric levels and the way that consciousness moves with greater density of consciousness around the globe. Uh, uh, Payard, Tayard de Chardin called it the newosphere, it was like the global brain. And so that actually changes, in, I believe, in response to human population and human communication. So with the advent of technology and all these ideas flowing around, I believe it was creating more of an awakening process and that the controllers were rolling the dice on that, thinking that they could actually shut it down by something like COVID and then wars or whatever before it resulted in a kind of spontaneous transformation of the way things are done on the planet through just a, an explosion of truth. Essentially, the other thing I would say is that these people are astrologers and they look at very long term historical trends based on astrological data, and it's how they built their empires. Mm. It G- works, G- it just works, even if we don't fully understand why. And because I don't necessarily agree with all of the theories of astrology that i've read but i know that it works as a kind of alchemical science a mystical science to use our word mystery or mysticism
1: i don't want to put you on the spot but i'm like super unfamiliar with that whole world so can you give me like an
0: an example well uh, let me just tune you into uh, a website you might enjoy checking out it's called OracleReport.com. And this is um, a, a woman named Laura who has been looking at uh, looking at uh, these these trends for a very long time and she's she predicted in 2015 that we were going to hit a window by 2020 where we would start to see the breakdown of the power structure and then blow and behold whammo all of this uh, crazy stuff happened right at you know right at 2020 now I don't agree with everything she says but she is looking at it from a kind of Gnostic perspective and what she sees, she sees um, along the lines of somebody like John Lash, who wrote an amazing book called Not in His Image about Gnostic belief and and deep ecology and spirituality. She sees that we're living on a kind of living planet that is actually a sentient being and not in some kind of technically sentient because all rocks are ultimately part of the energy no that we are living on a kind of living organism with a mind and it is our literal mother and so you you have to ultimately track what's happening on the planet to our relationship to the living being that is the planet and its relationship to its context in space whatever that is even if that's some kind of holographic construct, it has some ability to energetically impact what's going on on this planet. So, you know, I know if there are people out there coming from a flat earth perspective or whatever that they might trip up over the concept of astrology but you know if we're li- if we're playing in some big you know, holodome here then you know there's still energies getting beamed at us all the time that are affecting us just quite literally affecting us we're electromagnetic beings we're constantly signaling cellularly just using energy it's way faster and more primary than chemical processes in the body mm. Think yeah. about how that could affect the mind and how they could utilize certain configurations of energy to plan events and give them a greater chance of succeeding. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, okay. I mean, you know,
1: I think, um, y- yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's certainly, um, like, worth... i mean for me it's just kind of like worth investigating like i I haven't really investigated that that side of um but uh you know things are weird i'm i'm uh i'm I'm talking to it no i just had lunch with a a a astrologist yesterday who so all of a sudden astrology is coming at me like boom boom you know um and uh who's like super hip to like totally understands the, all the science, fake science behind COVID, but also happens to be an astrologist. And um, it is, you know, it's, it's just funny how these things kind of come at you in in, in directions. And, um, you know, I think like one of the things that I've grappled with is trying to find like a new metaphor for our relationship with the natural world. Um, because uh, and, and largely because of Lanka and, and his desire to um, sort of take off the fear and Cowan's desire to take off the fear and, and um, you know, really like getting into that terrain theory um, approach of, you know, like, like when Cowan talks about, um, you know, he saw that there were like a, bugs that were eating his lettuce and so in response to the bugs eating his lettuce he improved the quality of the soil that the lettuce was growing in and added more like nutritious food in that soil and that worked the the bugs went away because the lettuce was stronger and there was less um, dead material for the bugs to eat and they don't eat healthy lettuce they only eat dying lettuce um and um what a like wonderful like metaphor that is uh or analogy that is for everything in terms of health and our approach to it as opposed to like killing the bugs you know and but you know at the same time it's not like you know we don't live in this like perfect like um world where everything's like la-di-da and like there is no death and if we're all just like super nice and feed each other healthy food, like nobody will ever die um, and there won't be any um killing in nature there is and so i I still haven't found like maybe the 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 right metaphor for all of that. Is that anything you've ever kind of come across or struggled with as you think about this stuff?
0: Yeah, I've written two novels on this general topic. Uh, The last one was called Snooze, a story of a way where a guy travels into a parallel reality with our own. It's kind of based on the physics that Dewey Larson put out in the late 1950s called Reciprocal Theory of Physical Systems, having to do with this idea that we live in space time, but there's an energetic complement to our world called, that he called time space and that everything there is reversed. So time becomes distance, distance becomes time, etc. And so I looked at that as a kind of template uh, for for how this world might be. <laughs> and when if we were in greater harmony with nature and understood some of these concepts and could work with it and could also go with the mystery and not have to answer every single thing, it's almost as if this this compulsive desire to nail everything down is, is part of our own, own undoing in some ways. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: which, which sort of goes back to the other point, which is, okay, it's a mystery. <laughs> we don't have to have a perfect metaphor. We only have to, I guess my search for this new metaphor was because I didn't want this warlike, let's kill the bugs metaphor anymore. And, and, and so it was, it was almost out of that fight you know and it's like okay well if we just let go of the desire to fight and beat these like allopathic assholes then um you know maybe it's okay like there isn't a singular metaphor for all of nature that would be really boring actually if there was
0: yeah i mean from the from the goddess perspective when you get into the idea that the planet is the is the living goddess i mean it's it's wild because you're talking about somebody who's like a super person in that way who's like way more complex even than we are in in many ways so you know to to think about you know how she might be processing reality and translating it to us through through her dreaming state which is kind of how she is in this model is you know it's it's a really a mindfuck to think about what that is like from her perspective and so that's where I went in my last book was I was really thinking through the world from the perspective as best I could of this sentient goddess who is sleeping in her dream and is creating reality in many ways in interacting with us i I wanted to say that you know there's a lot of a lot of kind of downer elements to looking at all this covid stuff and the fake science and all the fraud and the lies and everything but you know there's also people like john rapaport for example side by side with all of his very deep deep cutting journalism, he's looking at the power of the imagination. This is a is a hugely meaningful theme to me. My first really decent book that I ever wrote uh, that I'm going to be reviewing is all about this. It's a fictional tale of a guy who invents his life and just keeps inventing himself into existence. And so you have Rappaport out there really talking about how the imagination is what can save us as a species. <laughs> and I think he might be right. And I've been talking a lot about this guy named Neville Goddard recently. Who, who's he, that? He was a big ma- manifestation uh, philosopher back in the 70s. Uh, you can look him up. Neville, and his last name is G-O-D-D-A-R-D. And he's got you know videos all over the place of his talks. And he's really writing about imagination and how the imagination actually works and how to use it to create outcomes i got to thinking like he would have said about those bugs he would have said go to the feeling you would have as a farmer as, as a gardener when you've when you've harmonized your own environment to the extent that the bugs are free to go just think how how excited you would be to have solved the problem one way or another And then in doing that, you actually, by placing yourself emotionally in the end product of what you desire, you attract it to yourself in in the future. So you literally pull yourself toward it. And he just talks about just examples and examples and examples and examples of how this has worked for himself and for all these other people that he's taught this technology to. It's essentially a, a technology. And he actually goes so far as to claim that all of scripture is code for this technology hmm
1: it reminds me of what i was reading about that you wrote essentially that there was like a healing journey that you went on that was like the 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 sort of spiritual heart of your one of your early books um i mean your your listeners probably have already heard you talk about it but i haven't could you lay out a little bit about what happened
0: you mean when i got sick and and uh traveled and that kind of thing
1: yeah it seems i mean it was on your website in terms of like your conscious healing and like is that what you're talking about
0: yeah i mean i I write about that you know in in conscious healing and in potentiate your dna i mean my journey was i was an academic i was an ivy league uh you know grad student blah 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 and you know, I was very indoctrinated, I I, I got my, my vaccines for travel when I was going down to South America to do dissertation research and they just laid me low, they destroyed my life, they destroyed my health, I eventually had to pull out of graduate school and then, you know, change what I was doing in my life and at the time it was very traumatic and I at some point out of desperation, not because I was heroic or anything like that, I just went with the mystery, And i started looking into things like energy and energy healing and i ended up becoming a practitioner of a kind of allergy elimination technique that has helped a lot of people with a number of different types of food and environmental allergies but that was one of my introductions along with studying qigong to this kind of esoteric world of energy and how it can be used for healing but also maybe transformational purposes and I began to really look into how all of this relates to DNA, how it relates to language and sound, and how we can use our, our narrative ability, our ability as creators and, of, and as beings of speech to heal ourselves and to really actually perform miracles in real time in the real world. And so I see that playing out you know, in people like Neville Goddard's work, I see what John Rappaport's writing about, and it's just all very, very consistent that we are much greater than we think. In some ways, I think of, and, and I know this is your interview and I want to turn it back over to you, but this is, in some ways, I think of this entire COVID fiasco as a challenge to our collective identity so that we can actually realize who we are and who we are as we are powerful, creative beings on a spiritual journey. And we have the ability to turn all of this around. It doesn't matter what forces are arrayed against us, how evil people might be at the top of this thing, if there is such a thing as the top. What matters is that we can use our imagination to to envision future outcomes in the not so distant future that are very positive. And the more that we do that, and the more that we dwell in that emotion of what it would be like for the world to finally start to change for the better, the more likely it is to happen and the more quickly it, it will happen
1: yeah absolutely and and it's and it doesn't it also like it doesn't have to be this like gigantic like you know thing like it's it's just it it it's happening like it's ha- you know it it happens like as you just authentically deal with everything um, that you know a- as you process it i feel like you know like we're 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 probably going to be moving to texas um so that we can like in
0: new york right now
1: yeah we live in new york we live in upstate new york right now which is just such like a a hellhole in terms of all the COVID stuff and it's beautiful but um and and uh you know so we're going to be moving to texas and like it's not like a heroic thing at all but um but it's great like it, it's it's going to help the world like it's going to be you know it's we're going to be supporting a new school that's emerged out of this and um, that, you know, they're going to be getting our money and, and our support and we're going to be telling our friends about this school and this community of people that Where we're is going to be
0: it located. If you, if you can share that um,
1: outside of Austin.
0: Yeah. So in the Austin area.
1: Yeah. Um, which again, like Austin's like, you know, gone off the cliff of, of, you know, COVID cultism and, and all of that. But um you know, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, like I was, I was there the other day, I was talking to this guy at a restaurant and he was like, you know, we had a whole in- interchange and it was really positive and he was really excited to meet me and I was excited to meet him. And it was just part of this kind of natural process that I think you're talking about. So, um, I, you know, I, you know, and then like, you know, I want to like sell my movie and stuff and, and, um, Get it out there more and more, and sometimes I feel really frustrated you know because I want everybody in the planet to see it, and you know let's go already um, but uh, at the same time you know I've kind of like it's kind of cool like I've kind of put myself in this situation where I'm like trying to figure out how to make that happen, you know, and it's like an interesting problem like to have to solve, and I sort of tinker and try this and I try that and um and uh you know it's not obviously you know nothing happens overnight but um but it's it's happening it's it's all happening just exactly what you're saying is happening and um and i think like again just like embracing that without having a clear cut path for how it happens and um or or set deadlines or set expectations but just um you know, going with it. And, you know, what does it do to the spirit when you sort of respond in one way versus another way? Um, I've noticed that I am, you know, a happier person when I like think in, in this way, like when I like, I'm able to look at methodologies and think about them and talk to them about, you know, talk to other people about them, even though they may think I'm totally batshit crazy, like you know, like I, I you know, it's it's becoming easier and easier and easier for me to um, allow other people to see me as crazy or whatever, you know, or well, I don't know what word other people use. Maybe nobody sees me that way. I've got no idea, but um, but uh, the, there's a sort of um, I, I think you know I do think that there is like a, a, a a spiritual um uh um equation uh to the world or like a, a like spiritual reality um where you know certain acts um have certain kind certain kind of spiritual acts have certain kinds of consequences and others have other consequences um and this is like what you know like the ancients have tried to pass on to us and what we hopefully will be able to pass on to our kids. And, um, and, uh, it, it, it's, it's great. So, yeah, I do think like when we see events, like like Tom Cowan was talking about the other day, he was like, you know, somebody was asking him like, well, what's the, what's the bad guy motivation? And he was like, you know what, you can think about the world that way. But he's like, I kind of like to think about it as like, I don't really care what the bad guy motivation is and on top of that what i'm seeing is actually this massive uh waking up experience around the world so yeah you, there's there's this negative story that's happening but there's also this really interesting positive story that's, ha- that's happening
0: i know and- that dr kelly brogan has really put a lot of her focus on on that you know, she kind of bowed out of doing the intellectual battle around the virus issue and that kind of thing. And for the last year or longer has really focused on doing the inner work and communicating that to other people. I interviewed her and we had a wonderful discussion about this kind of third term where it's neither right nor left. It's the middle. It's like I I use this, uh, the title from a Brazilian short story, which I love. It's called the third riverbank. When you think about it, it doesn't really exist in reality. It exists in the imagination, however. And so we're, our whole conversation was about this third riverbank where we're getting out of the left and right paradigm, the good and evil paradigm, and we're getting into the central part of all of that, which is the self and the use of consciousness and the imagination to empower ourselves to move forward. And in doing so, it's, that, it's like that old adage, heal yourself, heal the world.
1: Mm. um yeah definitely i mean you know and at the same time it's like we can't be completely swallowed up in that we have to like protect ourselves and be aware of like what's going on around us and you know you know like whatever like maybe maybe it's move maybe it's you know hang out with you know different people or um maybe it's you know who knows what it is for different people you know like changing their accountant or something i don't know but um but uh yeah like there's this that that is a good um place to be as well i think and and there's a time for that too i mean and you know right now i mean i think like my spiritual work is probably you know has been um you know very particular over the last couple of years it's just kind of like trying to you know be more comfortable with um you know people uh you know not you know being at peace with what i have to say or something like that and also just like trying to uh be effective you know um as a in the things that i'm you know trying to do so I don't I don't know what Kelly Brogan it, it, what path she's what like did she give you a sense of like what her path was like where what was she
0: sort of struggling with or where was she going I think she was trying to do many things but or uh, focusing on many things I think one of them was coming to terms with the different aspects of her femininity and with archetypal femininity you know there's the nurturer but there's also the destroyer and and how to integrate all of that in a sovereign being you know it's a that's a that's a journey in and of itself. So I think that was at least part of what she was um she was working on.
1: Hmm. Um yeah. That makes sense. Um yeah, I mean um uh, yeah, not does she have kids?
0: Yes, uh there I think she was Maybe just one or or two. I think uh, I, the one I'm thinking of might be a teenager at the moment. Um, I know that she was she was uh, uh, divorced and then she remarried, and I, I hear that she's uh, splitting up again. This was with um, she was married to Sayer G, who started Green Med Info. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know anything about any of that. It's just what I've heard through the grapevine or her, her own newsletters and that kind of thing. So I'm just uh, tuning into that. You know, one thing I thought of, I have a pragmatic uh, thought, and then I had, had a little imaginative uh, thing we could do, maybe if you're into that. I did it with uh, Dr. Sam Bailey, and she got a kick out of it. But the first thing is... Um, I try to identify like where the energy is happening online, and it seems to me that a lot of is a lot of stuff is going down around Substack right now. Yeah, definitely. And so, I if you I don't know if you have a Substack, but I would be happy if you developed a Substack. You know, I can put you on my little roster where people would see like your channel. <laughs> you know, oh, you cool. So I'd be very happy to do that. So if you decided to start a Sub Substack, one of the things you can do they they've just in- introduced. A video on Substack, and I, I, they ask you to apply if you want to post video. So I posted a recent interview of mine. Mm. you would be able to go in and let's say post a, a segment of your documentary or whatever. You can also create a paywall with all of that, and you can sell the documentary as part of your your um, your offerings. So you could have free and paid content, and you can develop all kinds of mailing lists. You can import emails. You can really. Uh, grow your um your subscriber base very quickly and, and generate a lot of momentum that way
1: wow okay that sounds great i'm sort of in, in I'm, I'm intrigued by that for sure um it, you know it's kind of like one of these things where it's like i don't have, i don't have time like yeah i'd love to you know but like duh ah, do i have
0: time trying well, to do so this super simple so that's one i mean because i'm not a techie at all so it's mm-hmm. very very simple
1: Hmm. um yeah that's great uh i'm going to check it out and i would love to do yeah yeah that'd be great to do some kind of um you know shared you know whatever like you know circles or or
0: however it works i don't even. i would do i would i would put you on my little list anyway even if you didn't put me on yours because i mean i just you know i believe in what you're doing very very strongly Um, And with that in mind, I thought we have just a few minutes left. I I wanted to, if you'll indulge me, let's imagine a year from now. Put yourself a year from now. Let's do a little Neville Godardian uh, empowerment of the outcome here. Okay. Okay, so a year from now, I'd like you to just feel what it would feel like for this movie and any other projects that you have going on to really be making it in a way that would feel extremely satisfying to you. Mm. It would be reaching out and and really making an impact, reaching the numbers that you want uh, your, your work to reach and also getting the kind of responses that you really want and just feel like what that would be like. And you can also imagine people in your life seeing your success and commenting to you, very enthusiastically about it, people who love you, people who support you, giving you high fives, thanking you, sincerely, you can see their faces, do they kiss you on the cheek, are you hugged, are you loved, are you appreciated, and you feel those emotions. Sounds great. So another thing you can do, these are little tiny techniques, is you can take that at night when you're going to sleep and you can just focus on that kind of thing and just fall asleep feeling that way. And another thing you can do is to imagine, um, well, that's a whole other exercise. Um, Maybe we we should cut it off there. One of the most powerful ones is the going to sleep part of it. You can, you can also engage in dialogue where you, you talk about the event as if it were already in the past, that your success already happened. So, Mike, do you remember when we were talking a year ago and you were a little bit frustrated and you, you felt like you, your movie was really good and it had had some success and it had reached people, but you really knew that it could and should reach more people And you were exploring ways for making that happen. We had this funny little conversation about using the imagination. And you're like, I don't know if I believe in that. But then you tried it and you did it a little bit. And all of a sudden, all of these doors started opening. You had people show up from other who speak other languages wanting to subtitle your movie for free just to support what you were doing. Suddenly you had a movie that was subtitled in 15 different languages. It was all over the place. It was professionally done. And everything just took off. People were wanting to interview you on larger platforms. You had people approaching you with, with, with uh, money, funding for other projects. You had to turn some of it down. You didn't believe in it or you had other things you wanted to do and you were able to really move your filmmaking career forward in ways so, that were so fast, it made your heads. Do you remember that conversation we had?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't believe it. <laughs> I have a hard time
0: believing
1: it. <laughs> I do have a hard time believing it. It's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, man. I uh, I feel. Um, you know, it's funny. It makes me feel kind of like um, makes me feel kind of like selfish and embarrassed when 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 we when you do that.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable in any way.
1: No, no, it's I just I, I just noticed that that's how it makes me feel. So I don't know if that's like typical or if that's not typical. I just don't know. I think um, that
0: can be, I think that can be a response. I know that um, what what is counseled, you know, when Godard is doing his wonderful talks and he's really fun to listen to is that, you know, really, there's no there's no, absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. If you're working within the golden rule, then you're you're good to go. You're golden.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's good to remember. That is good to remember because um you know, uh have kind of like that uh um I don't know, I, it just makes me feel sort of weirdly like, oh um as if the world is some sort of like, you know, um, you know, equal sum game or something, which it's not and I know it's not. Um but uh th- it's 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 weird and then you say to yourself okay well then if that's the case am i like weirdly like you know holding myself back from you know um spreading the word in some way that i'm not aware of but i'm not aware of it so
0: you know am i well those are the questions to ask someone on social media we were i posted my recent interview with emily trinkhouse which is up on Substack. And I was talking about some of these concepts and about using language to create reality and that kind of thing. And so I got in this long uh, interchange uh, exchange with somebody who was extremely knowledgeable about about sacred geometry and its relationship to uh, language and DNA and that kind of thing. And this was really a fascinating little discussion. And and this person shared an image and it was a wave going up up and over uh, a parallel line like on a science graph. And so you had the wave and that would, it was, it was like one, one semi-sphere, one hemi, uh, a semicircle, and then it would go down underneath the graph and it would come back up and go back and forth. And they were describing this as a kind of palindrome, you know, a word that means the same forward and backward. And they were also saying that this was a symbol of love where you put out and then you receive, you put out and you receive and you put out and you receive. And so if you're not putting out, you're not going to receive, but if you're not receiving, you're not going to put out either so there's a balance between what we might perceive as selfishness and what we might perceive as being supported or helping the world and we have to us to find some kind of balance with that and really I think it is an act of self-love in relation to our place in the world so that when it's like if you can't feed yourself how can you feed other people
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is true. And that's something I really, you know, I think uh, everybody grapples with when they become a dad as well. It's like, and or, or even get married, you know, like, am I going to be able to support, you know, my lover? Am I going to be able to support my kid, you know, um, and that kind of thing. And then there, there becomes this sort of tension between um, success and, um, and, uh, and like home life, you know. Um, so like, whereas they're, both integrative and, and also in competition with each other um I don't know if I'm just sort of spouting from my own bizarre subconscious right now or if, 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 <laughs> if responding to your question I don't know
0: I just think you're processing it's a funny thing I, I, a lot of people when they encounter some of this material and these concepts uh, they go through a just an interesting portal of consciousness and they begin feeling strange emotions and that kind of thing and i'm not saying you're necessarily doing that but it's it would not be uncommon for for you to be experiencing that
1: how do people like how do other people experience the this this experience
0: oh i mean people can have literal physical detox talking about this kind of thing this kind of transformation they can have They can feel their body move, they can have spontaneous chiropractic adjustments, I mean all kinds of things can occur when when this energy which is a conscious energy it's related to. To what's been called kundalini it just begins to flow through your body, and it can make you feel hot, it can make you sweat. It can make you feel uncomfortable. It can bring up sexual stuff because it's also a sexual energy. It can bring up ex- stuff having to do with expression or, and because it comes right up through the first chakra, it can tap into uh, really basic needs. And, you know, am I going to be supported? Am I going to be able to feed myself and my family, et cetera?
1: Mm. Hmm. Hmm
0: because um, harnessing yeah. that immense power, creative power of the imagination and if you've got any blockages at all um, then if those begin to be removed and this energy starts to flow in then that's a, you know that's a change
1: yeah absolutely I mean absolutely um, you know even one uh, what, the, the, the littlest inspiration that comes from every conversation is always like such gold, you know, um, with that, without a doubt. Um, and, and is this kind of the process that you went through when you were doing conscious healing?
0: Yeah, I mean, it led me to a technique for using vowels and chanting, you know, music to speak to my own DNA, to work on my relationship with my energy body. And then that, was, that reciprocal relationship ended up healing me but it was also a movement of imagination. The whole process was being willing to go into the mystery through imagination by kind of suspending judgment, by embracing the adventure, which I write about in Beginner's Luke, which was my first book on the imagination. It's just going with the adventure and not not second guessing every single step. There's that huge danger that so many people fall prey to which is the the paralysis through analysis construct and that's um you know that's really difficult for us intellectuals just to be honest because that's kind of uh that's just i guess our our uh you know our character a little bit is to just think things through a lot and sometimes i think it's possible to overthink especially when you're getting impulse to move in a certain direction and if you sit there kind of Teetering on the edge of change and never changing, and that's a very frustrating situation to be in. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. I've definitely found that, like, just kind of moving and and taking steps and trying to make things happen. I mean, certainly, like in making this like documentary, just just doing it, you know, just doing it has been great. You know, okay,
0: well, and it's a big work. It's like a, you know, it's like a, a very large achievement i mean you spent a lot of time and it's it's a lengthy documentary it's meaty
1: yeah and and but but again like right now like it's not even like right now the 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 work is is this sort of weird you know publicity thing you know like that's an it's this whole other animal which is a (laughs) with you know it's it's like a different game of go or whatever and you're like okay now we have this other game of go like that was a cool game that was really interesting i'm sort of mostly sort of play it, feel like, okay, like, you know, said my piece, like figured out, I think, told an interesting story. Um, and, um, and then now it's this other, this, this, this somewhat interesting, fascinating other game that's also like elucidative in terms of what, how, how does our society work? How do, how do messages travel through our society? Um, is it uh, there are these like weird places where the pragmatic meets the spiritual, meets the like bizarre, um, in terms of like how do you even think about it, you know? Um, and you just see all these different, you know, whether it's like you know, programs that like search Twitter or whether it's like, um, you know, finding the perfect you know, philosophical meme or, um, you know, uh, calling the right friend at the right time and, you know, happening, you know, just sort of happenstance happening. I I don't know. Um, It's, uh, but it's interesting to present yourself with the problem. I'll I'll put it that way.
0: I think about authenticity entering the mystery and that's marketing in you know, this social age. You know, you really just put yourself out there authentically without knowing exactly how it's going to happen and magic can really occur. And I also think about it, it was either Rothko or Lichtenstein, one of the great artists who said, who claimed that he painted one day a week and he marketed five days a week and he took a day off. That sounds exactly right. That sounds
1: exactly right. That's very, that's a great like quote to know um yeah 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 and and and, and now we know his name whether it's Rothko or or, or Lichtenstein.
0: yeah I, I like that a lot too you know if if you were in my neck of the woods i'd have you over to dinner i've really enjoyed uh our chat and getting to know you a little bit and you know you're just uh i just really really respect what you're doing and i i dig your vibe and and your process and your openness uh to everything we've been talking about it's it's really. Um, it's really refreshing and very, uh, I don't know, inspiring. That's nice to hear. Where where are you? I'm down in Florida, uh, in uh, north, northeastern Florida. Oh, cool. North, so north... up around Jacksonville, St. Augustine area.
1: Oh, okay, cool. I was just, I was actually just there. That's uh, that's really nice area. Um, I uh, hopefully uh, maybe uh, we can meet up at some point, whether it's Texas or Florida. That'd be really nice. I'd I'd love that.
0: Well I know it would be out of your way but if you ever wanted to swing by you know uh you're you certainly have a an invi- an open invitation I'd love to get together and uh hang out a little bit.
1: Uh it's nice to hear. Me too. I'd love that.
0: Well listen my friend um I I will I will uh put all this together. I'll I'll send you uh the information when it's available and uh we'll go from there. Maybe we'll chat again one of these days.
1: Okay. All right. Um cool. Um, yeah, thanks uh Thanks for having me on, on your show. It's been it's been this has been really nice. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it too. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. All right, bye man.